You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Good grief. I peer out my window here at Tide 100.9. It is just gorgeous. 60 and very sunny. Let's all go to the golf course. Welcome to the show. Matt, Lars, Christian with you. It is March Madness. There are a few other topics that we are going to approach this afternoon as we go until 2 o'clock right here on Big Noon Sports. Lars Anderson, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. Uh, wish I could be in studio with you, Matt, but uh, got uh, some business to take care of here in Birmingham. But uh, I'll be down in at Tide uh, tomorrow, and uh, really looking forward to the start of March Madness. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, when I was at Sports Illustrated, you know, we had the big office pool of, you know, supposedly all these experts on college basketball. And I'm telling you, every every single year, including Seth Davis, who just uh, who just uh, gotten in, inducted or uh, chosen to be in the Basketball Writers Hall of Fame, along with uh, our very own Kevin Skarbinski, and I'm really I'm really happy for those guys and proud of them. But uh, but Seth and and uh, the late Grant Wall, who covered uh, college basketball, also going into the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, so there'd be literally like 200 of us on the editorial side, Matt. And then every single year, what would happen? The girl, be uh, administrative, administrative assistant, assistant who yeah. didn't know anything about basketball, right. who basically let her dog, you know, uh, like if the dog went left, she would take one team. It went right and take the other team. And, uh, that's what's so great about this tournament. It, it, it's just so hard to predict. It, it, I'm sure you spent years. I don't really do brackets that much anymore, but uh, do you, uh, I'm sure you've spent years uh, filling out brackets. Have you ever won a March Madness yes. bracket? Yes. In fact, I brought it up yesterday because I won one, and Aiden will look this up for me, but it was when Michigan State won with, um, of course, Izzo was the coach. Was it uh, Cleves was the yeah, guard? Mateen, side? Mateen yeah, Cleves. Uh, he went crazy, and I won like $290. I didn't report it, by the way. Come on, IRS. It was 20 years ago. But uh, uh, but after that, and, and then when I, I kind of semi-retired, I didn't do one on a regular basis. But I have lots of questions because I, I think I have finally decided I don't like the play-in. Let's go back to 64. The play-in confuses me. Here are some of the questions, Lars. You and your vast experience with bracketology can help me out. You can't really wait until these games are played to do your bracket, or do you? And if you do, last night, I'm already one and one. I picked Mississippi State, and I didn't know enough about uh, Corpus Christi and Southeast Missouri State. I, you know, I did the A, B, A, B, A, B. Okay, I'll go with Corpus Christi, because I like the Islanders. That's their nickname. But are you for or again the 11s playing the 11s and the 16s playing the 16s before you really know what your bracket is? 
Well, I don't think the decision should be made based on brackets. <laughs> I, I think uh, you just you eliminate that game, and, and you, for, for the for the bracket speaking for that the, for those people, you eliminate the game, and you just have uh, you know uh, you either take the winner of that because you, you figure that, that that maybe the 11 seed could pull off an upset in the first round. Uh, doubtful in the second round. Anyway, I, I know it does create some problems just logistically with your bracket. Okay. However, I've been to Dayton three times. I got, and it was not a sort of considered a coveted assignment, right? <laughs> to cover the play-in games. But, uh, as you know, I, I, I would happily accept any assignment. And, uh, I think that's just a big key. Like approach everything with enthusiasm. Don't think you're too big to do anything. And I got to tell you, it's, uh, the city of Dayton does a really good job hosting, uh, the play-in games. And there's a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement. It's in a sort of a band box of an arena, a small arena. Um, I think it's where the Dayton Flyers play. It's on the Dayton campus. And I always enjoyed it. And it felt like a real electric environment. And it didn't feel like a play-in game. You know, it felt like a legit uh, NCAA tournament basketball game. And so I'm always for more games. Uh, I haven't put enough thought of whether or not the tournament field should be expanded to 128. Um, I, I kind of think it it should and will uh, i'd love to get your thoughts on that but again just having experienced it having seen just the 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 look of absolute joy on the faces of the kids who you know from these tiny schools that you and i can't spell uh <laughs> we have no idea what their nickname is <laughs> the fact that they win the play-in game it's like they won the ncaa tournament so i think if you look at it from that perspective the playing games are good. And I know there's a, a lot of people out there like yourself that, that don't care for them because oftentimes, you know, they're, it's not that exciting in basketball, but the games were really good this year. I mean, really good, high quality yeah. and, and, and close and two last, to the night last were minute. Outstanding games. So I don't know. Where, where do you fall on it? I'm getting more and more against it. And the other thing that no one in the history since they have decided they want to do this play-in deal. And I agree with you to a certain extent. More games than the excitement I saw last night, that does make it worth it. But it just seems to me, nobody's been able to explain it. Why the 11 seeds? Why If you're picked as an 11 seed, that means you're better than a 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 seeds. So why do they pick the 11s? that they have to play each other in order to qualify for the big bracket. No one, I mean, why not the 12s? I mean, or, or in my opinion, why not all the 15s? It, it makes no sense to me. And if you can explain it, please do. But usually it's moving forward. Well, okay. <laughs> this is uh, This is sort of complicated yeah. but it's just sort of fate right so half of the first four teams must come from at-large schools so um it, it's based simply on how the tournament selection committee fills out the bracket so there's three steps for the committee in filling out the bracket one you select the 36 at-large teams 
right? And then you seed every team one through 68. Alabama's won this year for the first time in school history. And then you place those teams in the bracket. So once the 68 teams are seeded, the bottom four teams, seed 65 through 68 overall, get placed in the first four. Now those generally go to the lowest seeded teams that receive automatic bids, right, by winning their conference tournaments. And then the other first four teams consist of the four lowest ranked teams from the group of teams. And this is so confusing, receiving at-large bids. And those teams are typically 11th or 12th, and they face each other. So, in other words, the final four games are played by the four lowest-seeded automatic bids and the four lowest-seeded at-large bids. Does that make sense? Okay. It kind of does, but it still seems to me like, okay, good, I'm an 11th seed. Well, wait, I have to play an extra game. But what the school, what the selection committee is trying to do is not punish too many of the smaller schools who, who typically earn their way in by winning the conference tournament. So the 11 seeds are the last automatic bid teams. Yes. Okay. That's exactly right. Yes. So that kind of explains it. But I, uh, and then you have to play in to be another 11 seeds. And by the way, some of the other 11 seeds are already in. Explain that one too. <laughs> That's, it all comes down to seeding. Okay. Yeah. It's, you know, it, yeah, it's like you need a mathematician to explain this to someone who is well versed in basketball to understand it and and I really don't understand it that well either uh and and by by the reason I said four on each is because the women's the women's is also going to be doing the first four and I think I think that starts tonight so it's a total of eight teams four on the men's side four on the women's side I mean I love radio uh, one of the previous people that uh, is on this station serves, and I'm not going to identify him, just walked by our studio door and did the thumbs in the ears with the hands waving and his tongue out. Uh, oh, I saw you. No, I saw you. It was Joe Gaither, ladies and gentlemen. I'm spilling the beans on Joe. But, I mean, how many offices? Did did, did people do that at uh, the accounting office? Did you see that? Did Hey, when you were at the meeting rooms, Christian, the meeting rooms at the University of Alabama, and all the edge rushers are in there. Did anybody come by and do this? That, that what you just did, <laughs> which is putting your hands and your finger yeah. and your ears yeah. and yeah. wiggling your fingers yeah. and sticking their tongue out, I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen it in your life? They never, no, you never no, did I've that seen on the that. I've seen okay. that, just not in those rooms. There's probably other gestures, but maybe not that one specifically. Uh, yeah. Um, I imagine those meetings now, I think about it in depth. I imagine they could probably get a little funny, a little rowdy every once in a while. It wasn't always just business as usual. Uh, usual. If you want humor, go to the defensive line room. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah, yeah. Defensive line room is going to be humor. Yeah. I mean, quarterback room, there might, I don't know, it just depends. Probably a little bit. Uh, Defensive line, hands down. D line. D-line. You can and that's see any that team. on the field. Yeah, yeah, and that's any team. That's not just <laughs> my team. I, the, any, I, it's, I think it's well known. The defensive linemen are always just the, the, the jokesters. Um, I can see that 100%. Yeah. Hey, coming up on the show, bottom of the hour, uh, John DeLafippo, 
think I got that right. He is a New Orleans Breakers head coach. It's his first head coaching gig from what I saw on his resume. But, um, we, you know, we're kind of a USFL state. We like, we like the USFL. And Monday we had Skip Holtz on. So coach of the Breakers will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. And then our friend Mick Gillespie will be joining us a little after one as we talk uh, more about all things Alabama. But when we get back, I want to talk just a little bit. Uh, about the game that I attended last night and a second half explosion. I don't know that I've seen anything like it. I mean, Alabama did it a couple of times this year. But when you outscore your opponent in the second half by 25, somebody lit your fire at halftime. Back with more Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Lots of sunshine this afternoon. The high today, 63. Clear tonight, not quite as cold as last night. The low, 35. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny and mild. The high, 71. Friday, cloudy with rain likely much of the day. The high, 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. All right, welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Christian, Lars, Matt Coulter, Aiden is at the wheel. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us. And want to remind you um, that we are available, I guess, anywhere on the planet, the way that the Internet works. Go to our website at BigNoonSports.com, and there's an app right there. There's a listen to, and you can you know get us in Birmingham, Mobile, my hometown of Huntsville. Dial us up and also call. Uh, I'd like to push that a little bit more at 205-342-9904. I'll give it again, 205-342-9904. So you can holler at us. We've got guests, but we'll work you in and out of that as the show progresses. Last night, I went to the UAB game, and Lars, you know this. Christian, one day you probably will, too. It's really something cool about grabbing your son. My son, Matt Jr., is 27. And, you know, we just go get in the stands and, and sit. Uh, we don't even try and get right at midcourt. Bartow is such a uh, intimate arena that we just go to the upper deck because I like to look down. I like to see screens. I like to see the arc of the ball, particularly the three-pointers. But it's cool. And, and we went last night and kind of shaking our heads in the first half because UAB was not playing all that well, turning the ball over. Of course, they were forcing turnovers. But Southern Miss is a good team, 25-8 uh, and eight overall. And uh, they were playing UAB's you-know-what off. I don't know what Andy Kennedy did at the half. But UAB came out forcing turnovers, stealing the basketball, and it was a three-point game at the half. UAB had the lead, but Southern Miss came out and hit their first two threes. So they had taken a three-point lead, then UAB, Jets on, the Blazers were on fire, and they went in this by a score of 88-60. to 60. 
K.J. Buffin had a career-high 26 points, 12 rebounds. So what does that mean for UAB? They advance now, and they will play the winner in all likelihood, Clemson. Uh, later on this week, I don't have that bracket in front of me. But um, good news for Andy Kennedy and UAB is uh, they will extend their season by at least one game. And Clemson, you just kind of think, eh, are they too upset that they didn't get into the big dance? Are they going to show up? I imagine they will certainly get the home court advantage if they win tonight. So, all of that being said, Christian, Lars, Matt, nobody's done a bracket. Somebody left one in here, though. Probably was me. Probably. Oh, is this you? Let me let me see. Uh, and actually, no, that might be an extra copy because I had to write something down on the back of mine yesterday. So that is an extra copy, and no, I did not fill this out. Maybe it's Joe's. Um, but I'm glad he left it because now I can you know, go back and look at these teams again. I filled one out with my friends. I'm not going to lie to you. I just kind of just ran through it. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just kind of guessing, playing the guessing game there. You know, even the most expert of college basketball are still going to have a little bit of trouble with Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson. Okay? Come on. Come on, Lars. You're the guy. Texas Southern or Fairleigh Dickinson tonight? I'm all over. Fairly Dickinson. Um, Although, do you know where it is? I was going to ask like you Virginia, that. something like that. I don't know. <laughs> That's just a, usually my first guess. Yes. Um, you, know, you know, but going back to the UAB game and uh, Andy Kennedy halftime speeches, um, Christian. Wait, did you Are answer you the question? Oh, wait, oh, Lars, you, you never answered the question. <laughs> it's in Teaneck, New Jersey. I'm, 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 I'm he just deflected that. <laughs> I was like, wait, where, where are they at? I've never heard of the school. I was actually curious. Sorry, go, go ahead, Lars. Oh, it's in I, North, I, I'm New Jersey. I'm not sure myself. I'll, I'll look it up. But it's in Teaneck, um, New Jersey. The power okay, of right. the halftime speech. Do you believe in it? Or is it just uh, sort of rah, rah. Uh, a, a made-up thing by fans and reporters? Because, you know, a lot of the guys that I've talked to, just like it, it, the halftime goes so fast. It's like you get in there, you get a drink, and, and then you're, you're, you're back out on the field, right? Yep. And, 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 and uh, the one time that I was, quote, unquote, an assistant coach for uh, Alabama, right, during the A-Day game, I just remember how fast it went. Like when just went in the locker room. Uh, I think you guys got in position groups really quick. Saban said maybe, you know, uh, 30 seconds worth of words. And then boom, you're running back out onto the field. It's just amazing to me how fast it went. No, it definitely is fast. And wait, let me go back real quick. Did you just say you were an assistant coach? They it, it, it was like a, I was like a media coach, yeah. right? They invite the members of the media. <laughs> wait, to, wait, uh, wait, you, wait, you guys were totally unaware of this? I had, no, I'm, I'm lost. Right? Wait, what year was this? Person, I, I, may, I may have been what an year? assistant coach. What the, year? Uh, I think it was like you know what? No, I remember seeing Carson. It was Carson Tinker's senior year, so I, oh, I think okay, it was 2013. Yeah, that was right before I got there. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see you coaching, Lars. That that'd be pretty <laughs> interesting. Um, no, the answer. I was I was uh, advocating for Nick Saban to run the fumble ruski, uh, but he didn't go for it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's an old Nebraska play. Yeah, uh, Dean Steinkuhler. Yeah, no, I'm I'm familiar yeah. with that. I, I don't see him running that. But no, to answer your question, uh, does it go by fast? Absolutely. Uh, are the speeches, you know, exhilarating and they just uh, pump this this newfound uh, inspiration inside of your veins? They can be. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm a firm believer, you know, once you're, 
you can do all the, the talking you want to do, but, you know, once it's game day, the hay is already in the barn. You know, you've either been prepared during the week and during practice, you practiced the right way, you've done the right things, or you didn't. And, yeah, there's times, you know, I mean, unfortunately, we didn't have too many you know, shootouts, you know, while we played. But there'd be times there'd be close games and we'd have to come together. I mean, I look at, we played Ole Miss at Ole Miss in 2016, I think it was. It was hot, uh, humid. I mean, it was honestly probably one of the hottest games we've ever played in. And I remember just pregame, we were struggling. That first half, I mean, they went up big on us. And again, we had lost them the year prior. And we're at Ole Miss. And I think we went to the locker room. And we well, Right before that, I think Eddie Jackson had a big return. We kind of got some... Uh, you know, some things going right before the half, but we went into halftime and a lot of guys kind of, you know, were, were jumping on each other like, man, we got to pick this up. Like, this isn't how we do things. Like, I'll be honest, I think the speeches are more meaningful when it comes from the players. I mean, it, yeah, coaches can kind of give those inspirational speeches and kind of pick you up, but I, I think it means a lot when you have, you know, self accountability within yourself, but also throughout the team, you know, when your guys are jumping on each other. I mean, we've had guys borderline fist fighting on the sidelines when, when, when we were playing. When we played Southern Cal, I mean, Ronnie Harrison and, and uh, I can't remember who it was. Or I mean, we had to pull pull guys apart all because guys were you know upset about you know our play on the field. Like that, that's how serious we took it. But yeah, I mean, there's times yeah you, you get some you know uplifting words, some motivation uh, at halftime. But to what extent, I, I don't know. Um, it just depends, but yeah, it can be a factor. I mean, I, I just, I'm just a firm believer. I mean, you, you just got to have that want to inside of you. You know, if you have to have somebody telling you what to do and to get you going, then honestly, I don't want to be on the field with you. Did you ever make, or the coaches ever make a halftime adjustment that you went, wow, okay. that was significant in the I'm, second I'm, half? I'm glad you just said that. That's what I was going to tell Lars. I think the more important uh, issue at halftime is the adjustments. Okay, that's what I was going to. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm glad you said that, Matt, because I that, that's I forgot that the speeches are one thing and they play a role. But I think the bigger deal at halftime is if a coach can make the proper adjustments to go into that second half, make the corrections, and have his guys execute those adjustments. Because it's one thing to make the adjustments, but then the players have to go and execute that. Because, it, again, you, sometimes, like you hear Coach Saban say, like, we'll practice all week playing one set of rules, meaning, like, if they're in this formation, we're going to play inside leverage, we're going to play this coverage. And sometimes we go into halftime, and we'll have to make some some pretty lengthy adjustments. And it's not easy just to adjust to that because you're almost doing the opposite of what you practiced all week. So it's, it's important to make sure that everybody's on the same page with those adjustments because some guys might still be playing it the way you played the first half. Um, so I think that's even more critical, Lars, is, is the adjustments. Yeah, yeah that are so being that's made. Another, another thing, Christian, another issue, another topic is that of halftime adjustments. I've had players tell me in the past that that is the, the biggest fallacy that there is. <laughs> there's really no such thing as halftime adjustments. Uh, there, there's like tweaks. I, I think little Peyton Manning, wasn't Peyton Manning yeah, saying that? Saying it was overrated. He's saying it was overrated. Yeah, I, I think it just depends on, on, on the team. Speaking from my experience playing in Alabama, they, they make a number of adjustments. Like literally when I think of halftime, I think of going in there, sitting my butt down, 
getting some, you know, uh, fuel in me, whether it's, you know, pickle juice or uh, Gatorade or some type of snack. Like, I, I grabbed Those that. little peanut butter jam. Little peanut, yeah. You remember, man. <laughs> it's like grabbing something to fuel me because obviously you, know, you need to, you know, physically fuel yourself. But then I'm sitting in my seat ready to, to see our adjustments because, again, they have all the GAs and the guys that are sitting up in the booth with that bird's eye view. They have all these plays already drawn up that gave us issues, and we're waiting to see what adjustments we're going to make. So, I, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't knock Peyton Manning. Obviously, he's one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. If they weren't important to him, maybe that's him. But I know in Alabama's defense, I used to, you know, that's specifically what I remember is whether it was, you know, Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt, whoever was our coordinator, they would get these slides ready. They put them up on the Elmo or the projector, whatever we had. And then they would draw out the, yeah, times change, I guess. They would draw them out and we would pay attention to it. And then the speech would only be like a minute, right? The adjustments took up. Three quarters and, of that halftime. In order priority, that's it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Let's you make gotta the prioritize changes and win the game. Yeah, so I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Peyton Manning and his group were just. They didn't need him. Just so good, they didn't need to. I get well, you know, remember, he made him on the field. He's always calling audible after audible. Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. Omaha. So maybe, yeah, his adjustments are in game, I guess. We will talk. Hey, we'll talk with the head coach of the New Orleans Breaker, and maybe uh, that, that topic will come up as well as we continue on Big Name Sports. SEC Sports, like good stew on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Christian Miller, two-time national championship edge rusher of University of Alabama. You got Lars Anderson, sports writer extraordinaire, and then there's me, Matt Coulter. But we're being joined now by John <laughs> Steve Pluto. Sorry. NASCAR uh, extraordinaire. Well, you, you know, I have made my mark in a couple of areas. Absolutely. And not always been Don't positive. be humble. Uh, but that's right. We're on the radio. That's right. Brad. Hey, uh, coaches, I'm sorry. This is an awkward way to bring you on the show. <laughs> but he's a brand new coach of the New Orleans Breakers, as the Breakers will be much like the Stallions playing in protective stadium this year. Uh, coach, welcome to the gang. Big Noon Sports, uh, Christian, Matt, and Lars. How are you, John? Doing great. Hey, thanks for having me on. I had to... My mouth was salivating when I heard cigars and spirits on that oh. last uh, commercial. So 
Uh, now I got to check that place out because that's a good combination right there. Come on down. I've gone over there and had some 20-year-old bourbon and a nice stick, and uh, I didn't want to leave. So we'll have to yeah. hook you up maybe after the season. But I'll anyway. What, man. It's, like, it's like, you know, Pavlov's dog, you know, when the bell rings. <laughs> just start it. Oh, here we go. That's right. Uh, just in a general question, not necessarily just football, how do you like Birmingham so far? Yeah, it's been a short stay here. I've never really spent much time in Birmingham. Um, looking forward to to getting out in the community and, and and seeing it. And really, the only time I've spent much time in Birmingham was, you know, my years in the NFL, uh, going to the Alabama Pro Day. You know, you fly in here and get and you drive over to Tuscaloosa, you know, a fifty minute drive over there, and check out those guys and fly home. And the only other time that I was here was my dad coached in the nineteen eighty four Hall of Fame Bowl. Okay, Vanderbilt against Air Force. So I spent a week down here, but unfortunately I was six. So I don't I don't remember much of that experience except holding the Air Force Falcon on my arm. So that's about my only experience in Birmingham. I'm really looking forward to getting out and about and, uh, and seeing. Uh, I've heard it's an unbelievable food town and uh, looking forward to doing that. Coach, I know you, you just, uh, just now get in with New Orleans and the Breakers. You spent some time in the NFL, quite some time in the NFL coaching. How has that prepared you for this moment, you know, being the new head coach for the New Orleans Breakers? Yeah, you know, it's an unbelievable opportunity for me. And, uh, you know, I always told myself if I ever get an opportunity to be a head coach and, you know, I wanted that opportunity. That's why I'm, I'm here. Um, it wasn't going to make or break me in terms of whether I viewed the way I viewed myself. But at the end of the day, I always told myself that, you know, all I can be is me because that's all I know how to be. I, I've been had great mentors, you know, for, uh, throughout my time in both college football and in the pros. But at the end of the day, um, I'm going to use those experiences, you know, to help me just be me and be myself. And, and, uh, cause that, that's what the players want. They just want you to be honest and shoot them straight. So looking, really looking forward to this opportunity. Coach, uh, can you just, uh, sort of pull the curtain back when it comes to roster construction and building your team and, and just figuring out, you know, who to bring into camp? That's a great question. That's a really good question, and I'll tell you why. This was my first experience in, in not meeting players. I mean, you really, you know, when you're in the NFL and you and you draft or you have a you know a free agent, you know they they come to you and you get to spend the day with them and see what they're all about. At the draft, it starts, you know, obviously watching them on college state, but then you go to the Senior Bowl if they're participating in that. They you know, then you go to the combine, then you have your top fifty visits. They fly and spend the day with you. So there's a lot more exposure. It, it, in the NFL level than there is here. So what you have to do is, you know, get these guys on the phone, call around to their college coaches and, and see what they're all about, you know, and see what they're all about. So that's been a little bit unique. Um, you know, a lot of Friday night when I have our first team meeting will be the first time that I meet pretty much the whole team with the exception of McLeod Bethel Thompson and uh, EJ Bibbs, who I had in Cleveland in 2015. I had McLeod in, in uh, Philadelphia in 2017. So really, and I had Reggie Davis, one of our receivers, in, two, uh, in Chicago. But other than those three players, I mean, those are the only three guys that I, I could put a name to a face right now. So that's been a little bit different. It's 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 makes you uh, we're gonna be a little bit old school, you know, when you when you see the, the football movies and the you know the high school teams where we have names on our helmets because I want our coaches to 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 know who I don't want a player to ever be. Hey, number forty-eight. Hey, we need to know everyone's names and know what they're all about as quickly as we can because. When you do that, that's what forms team. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to have different ways to form team in a in a in a in a very accelerated pace um, when you put a roster together like we like we have to here. Coach, you know, one of the things 
that the USFL is doing is uh, trying out new rules. And since they are literally kind of like a farm system or, or the rule changes are being kind of performed to see if they work in the National Football League, which is, which is very interesting because some of them are, uh, are out there. Uh, the the uh, extra points, uh, right. the in lieu of an onside kick. Uh, go over a couple of those and 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 kind of candidly, are there any that just kind of really you find too outside well, the lines? The number one, the number one factor to me is is, is you know kicking the ball off um, you know deeper from the thirty yard line is because you're forcing return. So what what does that mean? That means there's going to be a shorter field, you know, and so. I think it's a lot more exciting for the fans, the kickoff return play. And obviously, you know, if when you have shorter fields, you know, now, now you can start taking shots at the end zone sooner. Um, you may not have as many yards of, of offense, but I, I'm really looking forward to having shorter fields. I mean, every time in the NFL, you're, you're you know, the kicker's pounding the ball out of the end zone. Or, um, so having the shorter fields as an offensive coach is, is the one that's really exciting to me. Coach, I know you have an offensive background, spent a lot of time as an offensive coordinator. I know you don't want to spill too many secrets, but what kind of style of play can we expect out of the breakers? Um, you know, type of offense, maybe defense that you guys plan, or just what's your uh, your mission, you know, for your team? Like how style of play, do you, you know, is it air raid you're thinking, you know, more ground and pound? Uh, what would you say your team's identity is going to be? You know, I'm not going to give away, I, you know, I, that's one thing. I don't talk too much scheme um, in public, but I'll tell you this. Um, we are going to have a culture of speed. All right. And what does that mean? A culture of speed is you're going to see us run into the football. You're going to see us um, on defense just swarming. You're going to see our guys coming off the line of scrimmage and playing fast. You may, you're going to see us at the end of the play get right up on the line of scrimmage. You're going to see us at the end of the play huddle. So we're going to be a culture of, of speed. I want to see you guys run, run into the ball, offensive linemen run into the ball, because whenever you're around the football, good things happen. You That's know, right. good things happen when you're around the ball. So that's my thing with our players that I'm going to talk to them about on Friday night is we're going to do everything fast. Okay. We're going to walk fast. We're going to practice fast. We're going to eat fast. We're going to do everything fast. We have a culture of speed to train our minds. Okay. When we're out on that field to cut it loose. All right. Have a good time and win a lot of football games. Coach, um, I, I hear your dad and then he got into athletic administration and it's just in your blood. Uh, you know, you've, 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 you started at Fordham, Notre Dame, Columbia, where I went to school, uh, New York Giants, the Raiders, the Jets, San Jose State, you can go uh, back on. to the Raiders, the Browns, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Jaguars, the Bears, and now the Breakers. Uh, can you just tell us what it's like to be a football lifer and, and just, you know, I, I wrote a book with Bruce Arians, and, and Bruce told me repeatedly just the challenges of of, of maintaining family life and, and a personal life when you're constantly grinding, constantly working, and constantly on the move. Yeah, and that's that's again another great question. I moved, I've lost count. I think it's 22 times, including I'm, I'm 44 years old. Um, I know this: of all the places I've lived, there's really great people everywhere. Um, I have friends from every stop that I stay in touch with, number one, from a personal level. To say it's an easy lifestyle uh, would be a lie. It, it, it's not. Um, not only the moving part of it, uh, the hours are, are to do it right uh, are, are very, very arduous uh, and, and straining. Um, it, can cause, it can cause some issues if you're not careful in your family. 
I have a two and a half year old daughter at home that I'm not going to see for probably for four months. Um, mm. Thank goodness for FaceTime and Zoom and all those things, or I wouldn't be able to see her. Uh, so um, it's hard. It really is. And I will say this, once you're in it, it, it kind of flies by. Um, but to say that, you know, football coaches have chosen the easy profession, that, that's not true. And, and, you know, you add the fact now that social media is such a huge part of our culture that anyone can say anything they want about you. And that doesn't affect the coach because, you know, for, for people to say they don't read Twitter, they're, they're, they're probably lying to you. But when your mother's on Twitter and, you, and your wife's on Twitter and your sisters are on Twitter, you have to stay off Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Like, just stay off Twitter. So you got to kind of coach the the people around you in your life that love you, um, or, or or it just seeps into what you're trying to accomplish as a coach. So there's a lot of things going on. There's arrows being slung at you from, from a lot of places. But at the end of the day, we chose this profession. It's a great profession. It, it's provided me to see the see not only the country but the world. And um, I wouldn't have it any other way. And and uh, you know it's um, it, but it's very unique. Hey, coach, as we wrap up here, just a, just a few questions about you. Um, I don't know. Do people still have, like, iPads and pods for music? What what's, what kind of music do you like? What's in your like, iPad I, pod? I'm a country <laughs> music guy. Okay, nice. You're a good place. Yeah. If you, if you turned on if you turned on my, my, my music, George Strait would probably pop up first. Wow. You know, you're not alone there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, I saw George Strait on his last tour in Oakland. It was awesome. I was coaching for the Raiders, and and uh, he was fantastic. I mean, he's just what a talented guy. And, um, I mean, all those all those singers are, are just amazing. I mean, you look at a guy like Darius Rucker that starts off at Hootie and the Blowfish and, and the hits that they had and, and then goes over and sings country and has number one hits in country. I mean, those guys are just unbelievably talented. And um, But I'm, I'm a country music guy, and... Uh, you know, I just, I absolutely love it. Who's a big South Carolina Dolphins fan, isn't he? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I don't know if I told you, that's my dad's like, best Rock friend, yeah. yeah. He loves, he loves yeah. the Gamecocks and he loves the Dolphins. Christian's dad played in the NFL when you were watching as a kid. Um, Corey <laughs> Miller played, uh, Ed Russer. He was, yeah. he was opposite LT, right? Yeah, well, he ended up kind of replacing him as well yeah. once yeah. he retired, yeah. We got some experience here in our huddle, Coach, and I know you do as well. Welcome to Birmingham, and much success other than the Stallions with the Breakers this year. That's fair. That's totally fair. And, uh, hey, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was uh, was great to be on, and and thanks for letting me introduce myself uh, to the city of Birmingham. You got it, and uh, we'll do it again here in a few weeks if you don't mind. Just keep up. I love it. Because you're you're a second home team. There we go. For you guys, I'll do it. For you guys, anything. All right, thanks, thanks, Coach. You got it. Have a good one. Um, you know, um, Heather Jeffcoat does a nice job in, in kind of the PR stuff, but um, do you want to have him on? He wanted being. He wanted to introduce himself. I think, I think I'd that's give awesome. him an A plus, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I think it's important. I mean, the fans want to know, you know, the the coaches and the players and who they're going to be seeing and watched on the field. And I think it's important, you know, for them to open up and let let people get to know them. And I've yeah. even back in the, go ahead, Mark. It, it makes it, you know, more enjoyable for the fans if you know a little bit about their personal life and you know the struggles that they've overcome and and you know it just uh it, it just makes them more uh, than just a, a guy wearing a headset or a player wearing a number exactly 
Guys, we got to do a pretty serious dive here in a minute on the Ole Miss hire yesterday. I want to talk to you guys about that on the other side of the break from Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed. And that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, and Equal Opportunity Employer Program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part, it's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days. Check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athlete or fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamane. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamane dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley. Luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Lots of sunshine this afternoon. The high today, 63. Clear tonight, not quite as cold as last night, below 35. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny and mild, the high 71. Friday, cloudy with rain likely much of the day, the high 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. What's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! Back on Big News Sports, Christian Lars, Matt. Thank you to Aiden. Wanted to talk a little bit about the Chris Beard hire, but as we've been on the air since noon, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call an audible here. We're going to focus in on Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. And Christian has been monitoring this, I guess, through Ian, right? Yeah, Rappaport. Rappaport yep. And he's been posting. Read, just sample us a little here. Yeah, so first first and foremost, I guess Aaron went on and said, you know, he's going to say this. This is, is not a decision day, but he just wants to clear some things up. And uh, he goes on to basically say he went into his darkness retreat 90% retiring. But it was clear to him at that point, while the Packers were saying the right things in public, they were going to move on. 
and he says he wishes them, or he wishes uh, they would have, you know, told him that they wanted to move on earlier um, instead of basically, I guess, you know, uh, smiling in his face, saying things are all good, take your time. I think he, he mentioned that they, they wanted him to take his time and decide, but really behind the scenes, they were ready for him to move on. Well, it's not like he's best. totally transparent on his end exactly. either about what he wants to do. And that's fair. Um, but I think the, the, the biggest, uh, I don't want to say that. I'm not saying it on there. The biggest thing that was dropped was he said, since Friday, my intention was to play for the, it was to play and to play for the New York Jets. And that, that was the biggest piece, uh, from him being on the Pat McAfee show. So, with that being said, it looks like um, all we have to wait on now is for things to be ironed out because it's not as clear as, okay, he wants to play for the Jets. He's going to go sign with the Jets. Um, the, the Packers are expecting two first-round picks, kind of like that deal Matthew Stafford um, was involved in. Um, you know, Two first-round picks were given up for a guy like Matthew Stafford. The Packers feel that Aaron Rodgers, even though he's a 39-year-old quarterback, you know, he's Super Bowl champion, like one of the best quarterbacks in the league, they they want you know the the right draft capital in exchange for him, but obviously the Jets do not want to give up two ones for a thirty nine year old quarterback who's pretty much year to year right. I mean, literally this is like mm-hmm. the second or what second maybe third year he's contemplated retiring. So why would they give up two first round picks for a guy who they don't even know how long he's going to be there? He could be there one season, he could be there three seasons, but you don't know. And it's almost like a year. It's like you're renting, right? Like it's a one year <laughs> lease each time, right? Like you just don't know. You don't really have much commitment. So. I guess we'll have to see, you know, can they find some middle ground? But I'd imagine the, the Packers are going to have to give, right? Because you got a guy who now is saying, you basically lied to my face. You told me that I could take my time and that you, you, you said I could return if I chose to continue to play. But now I'm figuring out that you didn't want me to return. And so now I feel like this is basically a vengeance tour because it sounds like he flipped from retiring to playing pretty much based off of what the Packers, um, had done to him in the past week or so. And, Honestly, yeah, I just, I think the Packers are going to have to break because it sounds like he's not going to return to the Packers anymore. I think that, that, that bridge has been burned. So I'd expect him to be with the Jets, but it's just a matter of them, those two sides figuring out what's fair and two, two, two ones out there. Jets aren't giving that up. Maybe they'll settle for one first round pick, but even I think that might make, I think maybe a second round pick would be maybe fair. One of those conditional picks that can kind of change. Depending on how things go, I don't know exactly how that works, but I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. You know, you know what my response is, Matt? Give me a blankety-blank break. I mean, I'm so tired of Aaron <laughs> Rodgers playing the victim. He's always the victim. And now he feels like he's being wronged by the Packers. I mean, come on. Like he's He has done this repeatedly. Right. And he just loves stringing everybody along. He loves the attention. I would say he's got narcissistic person, uh, personality. Really? <laughs> and, uh, it, it's just, uh, it, it is, it is mind blowing. It's mind blowing that, that somehow after everything the Packers have done to accommodate him, Aaron Rodgers is playing the victim card. Do you, I mean, Matt, do you agree with that? Get the hell out of Green Bay, Aaron. And that's coming from a, a big time, I'm long just, time I'm Green so, Bay. You know, and, and man, I love him when he's in green and gold. The greatest uniforms in the history of the world, by the way. But you know what? You go into the darkness, 90% sure of retirement. When you come out inspired by the Packers, 
you now want to leave. And, and Christian, I think, Lars, whether you agree, I think he nailed it. He came back out of the darkness, read a few things, and said, I'm going to get the Packers. That's that, what it that sounds That seems like. to be his motivation, Lars. Yeah. I mean, unless he, unless the, the darkness made him want to play again, because it's 90% going into it, but... Reading what I just read, because I, and I'll probably need to go and actually listen to it, but again, Ian Rappaport, very trustworthy, he's basically tweeting out as Aaron was on the show. To me, it sounds like almost like a vengeance tour. He, he just wants to play again, just almost in spite of the Packers and just to, to prove them wrong and basically, you know, stick a middle finger up to y'all saying, well, if you don't want me, I'll go somewhere else and show you, you know, what I still can do. You look, I will say this though, as a player though, it, it would be kind of, uh, it would. Be, I'd feel a blow though if the organization that I'm with, and I know that it's already been a little, you know, scratchy between the two. But if I was told, you know, hey, take your time, you know, you make your decision. We'll we'll, op- we'll welcome you with open arms. Then you you're hearing from you know some trustworthy people that it's like, oh no, that's not the situation, buddy. You might, you might want to try again. That Christian, that would really, that would hurt did, me. Did, I would say did, that. Did, yeah. Christian, did the Jets give up too soon on Zach Wilson? I mean, he, he's he's done in New York. That, that's a great question, Lars. Too soon, it's tough to say. I will say this though: in the NFL, typically you really only have a year, maybe two, to really prove um, your worth and what you can contribute um, to the team. Um, and, and, and typically, a first rounder is going to have a lot more time to prove his worth. But here's the thing: I think Zach Wilson does have some talent, but it seems the bigger issue with him is the maturity and at the quarterback position. It's imperative that you're a mature person. You're the leader of the team. And it just seems like the, the locker room wasn't bought into him. He wasn't, you know, mature enough to, to take, you know, take the criticisms that he needed. And, and unfortunately, I just, yeah, I don't know. So is it too soon? Not sure. But it's saying, it seems like they're ready to move on. I am. He exhausts me. <laughs> uh, that's Aaron Rodgers. I actually think in answer to Lauren's question, I think Zach Wilson's got it, got something left. I think he can play at this level. Oh, he definitely can. Just got to go yeah. up a little bit. He first. just needs, I guess he needs to find the right fit. That's right. All right. Uh, we'll be back with the second hour of Big Noon Sports. Work is a part of all of us. We know that the world around us has changed. And that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part, it's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days. 
Check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Fiore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley. Luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Lots of sunshine this afternoon. The high today, 63. Clear tonight, not quite as cold as last night. The low, 35. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny and mild. The high, 71. Friday, cloudy with rain likely much of the day. The high, 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Hey, welcome back to the second hour. We'll be joined in about 15 minutes by Mick Gillespie. I'm sure he's on his boat there at Pirates Island, Island there at Gulf Shores, Orange Beach. Um, good for him. We could do this show from a boat in the Gulf, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I mean, I'd probably be distracted fishing. But... <laughs> Did you see the, where the guys down in uh, Gulf Shores, Orange Beach caught that 11-foot great white shark? I did not see that, but I'm going to look right now. It's, uh, I think, the first that's ever, like, been landed or caught in what would call be called Alabama waters. Was it, like, inshore? Like, they were on the beach? They No, like they, were, they were two guys that were fishing for shark. Uh, uh. I mean, they were out there looking for it, and they got it. Christian, I I know you fish a lot, but I don't know if you fish for sharks. But I have. Before. What would you do? Would you get that mammal? Would you get that mammal on your boat with the teeth flying everywhere? You know, it's funny you say that. So I was on a deep sea fishing trip, and we were catching, you know, snapper, grouper, um, you name it. But then we kept getting picked off by bull sharks, you know, like, cause they, you know, they catch on, you're fishing and they, they're seeing you reeling all these fish in. That's an easy, easy meal for them because, you know, free breakfast, <laughs> free breakfast, right? So we put on some metal leads and we we're like, hell, we'll try to catch some, some bull sharks. And, and we, uh, we hooked two of them. And when I tell you, we fought them for over an hour. We're having to change like people like switch switch hands because yeah. I mean it's just tiring, it's exhausting. When I was thinking that in my head, I'm like, all right, because we got one like literally like right next to the boat, then he'd surge back down and like you know whip and like and one at one time he like tail whip water up. It was I felt like I was on like a Universal Studios ride, water splashing <laughs> and stuff. It was so cool. But in my head, I'm like, what the hell are we gonna do once we get them all like really? up here? Like I'm like, how, are we just gonna cut? The, I don't know. But it was so cool though. Really cool, but no, it wasn't a great white shark, and I doubt it was 11 feet. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what these guys were trying to do. Yeah, no, it was cool. It's, 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 those things look mean, Matt. What did you do? Well, just... He 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 actually snapped the rod. That's how strong he was. He literally snapped the rod in half, and these are like heavy-duty, like, and again, we had metal leads on. We, we had everything prepped and prepared for, for catching a shark. Didn't matter. 
this thing was mean, big. I, got, I have to find it. I have the video somewhere on one of my computers, and I, it's man, I had to show it to you. It's, it's, it's so cool, really cool. Lars, have you gone deep sea fishing before, or even you know? Uh, I never have. I went uh, times whale watching once off the uh, Oregon coast and whale watching. Lars, I don't believe I'd said that. <laughs> What's wrong with whale watching? Whale well, the watching. big difference between you going out to whale watch and Christian trying to bring in a bull shark. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. Whales That's get, quite the contrast. Whales can get uh, pretty close to the boat. Oh, I, th- I actually think I'd like to do that. I was no, just giving you a hard time. I would be cool. I mean, I think of like back home, like, you know, there's a lot of dolphins and stuff you'll see. So sometimes you're just sitting there and you'll see, you know, a group of dolphins kind of. And it's very cool. And it is cool. So if it's anything like that, Lars, I guess whale watching would be, it's it just the name just sounds, it just threw me off. You just it's it's whale little, watching, like. Uh, it's, it's a little effeminate, perhaps. <laughs> well, knowing you, you aren't alone and I'll leave it at that. Oh, ah, <laughs> that, that makes sense now. Whale watching, that might be quite the catch. Yeah, I get it, I get it now. Still got a good first step. Yeah, that's, that's all right. He's, he's one step ahead of us, Matt. I get um, it. Well, uh, and, 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 and Matt, I, I thought of you this morning because I saw that Ricky Bobby's house from Talladega Nights just went on the market. Oh, wow. Guess how much? It's in, uh, uh, it's in Charlotte, North right? Carolina. Yeah. Uh, uh, on Lake Norman, it's got uh, its own private dock. Uh, it has six bedrooms, nine baths, twelve thousand square feet of space. It's on one point three acres, and it still looks like you know for for many of uh, a few of the iconic scenes of the movie that didn't feature one Matt Coulter were shot in this house. So, how much do you think Ricky Bobby's house uh, is is going for? Oh, it all depends on whether or not they have the family portrait above the fireplace where they cut out Ricky Bobby's face and put Cal Naughton Jr.'s on. Now, see, I think that adds a couple of million to the price. I don't know. I think, I think in its original state, it was probably what about 1.5, but because it's Ricky Bobby's, I'm going to say four. Nine point nine million. I was all over. And, and there is a Ricky Bobby room uh, that is dedicated just to the movie, and I do believe that they have that portrait above a fireplace. <laughs> wow! And you said it's in like Cornelius, uh, like Lake Norman yeah, it's area. In Cornelius, yeah, it's on yeah. it's on Lake Norman, which is where all the NASCAR drivers live. Oh, I got to tell and you, and I the mean, big time athletes, and not just do. NASCAR. I was about to say, have you seen Christian McCaffrey's oh, yeah. mansion yeah, out pan- there? <laughs> a lot of the Panthers lived. Is that where you lived when you played for the Panthers? Yeah, I wish that Lars. I didn't have no eight million dollars <laughs> to drop on a mansion. <laughs> no, but on Lake Norman. Oh no, no, I know. I, I was uh, actually, I just had a condo like downtown, what we call uptown there. But yeah, my, I lived right near the stadium it made it very convenient it almost felt kind of like the college system i could just kind of walk over to the stadium because all our practice facilities and, and meeting rooms are in the stadium so I'm, I'm a big fan of convenience again in the nfl if you're late for a meeting like you're subject to a fine now they, they can choose whether to find you or not but if they do they can find you twenty five hundred dollars like it's nothing so yeah i just thought in my head i'm like do i want to live further out where yeah i could enjoy the lake but then I'm going to have to drive. And it's really not far. I mean, it's probably, with traffic, it might be 40 minutes. But if it's, if yeah. it's clear, no traffic, it's probably 25 minutes. But to me, I just, yeah, no. So, I, no, I was not out there to answer your question, Lars. But 
Christian McCaffrey has a an amazing mansion out there. And uh, golly, what is he doing, San Francisco? I'm sure he probably he's he's got enough money to probably buy. You're you're a money guy. Do do you want the prices of real estate? Probably Summers uh, on Lake Norman. Um, Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's it's a beautiful lake. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, but but I wouldn't want to live in San Francisco if you Absolutely paid me a million dollars. Well, and their and the taxes and their real estate, real estate's high. Five the taxes what it terrible. is in Charlotte, probably. Well, Charlotte's definitely not cheap, but yeah, you're right. California's even more expensive, and then you you add in the taxes. Yeah, that's that's tough. If you're an athlete, you well, always you want to play in Florida. Any you want to play in places that you know you, it's New York, California. Those taxes, oh man. But you, and you're you're aware of this, but you get taxed on wherever you play that game. So if, if you play other the Panthers, states. yeah, if you yeah. go if you go play the 49ers, you, you get taxed, that. Yeah, that yeah. game check is taxed in uh, based, based off of California. Yeah. Lars, I don't think they, or maybe did we they, did they do, not, that did they do that for broadcasters. Because <laughs> if they did, depending on where Greg Olson's uh, calling a game, does he get taxed off that? Kind of like a player. I don't know. That's a good question. Lars, did you yeah. get taxed when you went to Rio? <laughs> man i just tried to stay alive when i was in rio yeah. uh that's a whole other story <laughs> but you know it's all day and nights yeah so the house yeah. is nine uh, million point million but but don't you think that movie almost more than any other movie that is nascar related they got the little details right of how the the, the drivers live and, and just the, the 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 lifestyle, the owners, the fans, the sponsorship and, at the and dinner I, and I table. I know it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a yeah, the announcers. Um, I know it's a it's a great comedy, uh, like a screwball comedy kind of thing. But the, the, the little details I thought were spot on. Uh, I agree, uh, kind of right down to the to the crew. Uh, although they didn't have that little guy hiding behind the tires uh, when they faked his death or whatever. Uh, that was a little on the extreme side. The only thing that I, I criticize, and I, I would do this at, and have with uh, Days of Thunder, is when you're driving in Talladega or Daytona, you don't turn your wheel intentionally into another driver. Uh, and I, I think they gave that indication a couple of times. And by the way, you don't drink um, an espresso at 200 miles an hour, which Jean Girard is saying. And this really he will be. But I, I, I think in the internal works that you're talking about, yeah, they probably did get it really close. But all right, did, yeah. did it get back to the home? Did it tell you or give you any indication of what the home would cost if Ricky Bobby had never been there? Uh, no, I'm guessing probably about half. <laughs> I mean, they're they're definitely trying to exploit the fact that uh, it's it's Ricky Bobby's uh, former home. You know, it's, in, in in the world of make believe, but it's saying it was sold uh, but, but for it's not, four you know, million it, it, in twenty seventeen. Like, so, sometimes, you? when they film scenes like that, it's a it's a set, right? And not necessarily an actual home, and and so I, I didn't realize that this is an actual home on the lake, and uh, it's it's quite nice. So they shot the actual dinner table scene at yeah, that home? home. When did the movie release, Matt? It was seven. Six, yeah, so way well, it says it was sold for four million dollars back in 2017. So, so that somebody's doubled it. So they've 
well, it more than doubled it since then. And, and I guess when they so when it was sold for four million dollars, it still had the you know the uh, background with the the right. film and whatnot. So. Man, this market is just crazy right now. I don't, I don't know. Uh, if if anyone's interested, they can contact Candy Low at seven zero four five zero two eleven ninety. Are you getting commission, Lars? What yeah, that? if that what house sells based on your information, we're all in for a I'm big cut. I'm this and sending it to Sandy. Yes, you need to do that. <laughs> or Candy. <laughs> How about that? A real estate agent named Candy. I'll bet mm-hmm. she has her picture on billboards. I hope so. The name like that. Well, by the way, why why do uh, real estate agents think that uh, that's a and I, and I'm not cutting them down. Real estate agents serve a, a very good purpose, but most of them, when they get a billboard, they put their they go Phil Dunphy on you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. I think they need to, to advertise on Big Noon Sports instead. I think they'd have Call a lot, lot more. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. No doubt. Christian will take your call right now. Um, <laughs> I hey, uh, let's get back on track and talk a little sports here. Of course, that is related, was related. Um, coming up, we will uh, welcome in Mick Gillespie um, with all of his on three sports and uh, Batman Cider. We'll talk to him on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports with Matt and Lars and Christian. Covering SEC sports like kids do on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Nine Tuscaloosa weather. Lots of sunshine this afternoon. The high today, 63. Clear tonight, not quite as cold as last night. The low, 35. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny and mild. The high, 71. Friday, cloudy with rain, likely much of the day. The high, 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Christian Matt Lars and joined by one of our favorite guests, Nick Gillespie. And he is actually not uh, on Old River in his uh, palatial boat. Uh, he's in his house. You're at home? You never stay at home. You usually at the Floribama, the keg. No, not the kegs. Way too early for that. But, Mick, how are you, man? Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm picking my bracket right now. So this is a very serious time. I try to wait as late as possible. And then, um, and then dig right in and try to figure out who's going to win this championship and, uh, you know, if I can win some of these pools I'm in. How do you handle the uh, play in round in your bracket? Yeah, that's why I always wait because I want to kind of see what's going on. I mean, Alabama lost to UCLA, who was a play in team a few years ago. So, you know, some of these teams you, you, you can learn something from watching. I, I learned that. Pitt beat uh, Mississippi State yesterday. It was a close game. Um, but I, I'm kind of worried, is that the canary in the coal mine with the SEC? You know, so I, I was really curious to see how that game turned out because I wanted to know, having watched Mississippi State, know they're a, a good team in our league, not the best, but a good team, how they would do against the team from the ACC. And, you know, they came up short. So, I try to look at those games and say, hey, what do we got here? And then for Alabama, which I still can't even believe it, um, as a huge college basketball fan forever, that Alabama would be the number one national seed. 
the team that they're playing is going to be chopped meat. I mean, I don't think they, they really have a chance. But I did want to know who they were playing. So you got to watch those games. Mick, when you analyze the brackets and Alabama's potential path deep into the tournament, uh, do you think they got a, a, a good, a good draw? Or, uh, you know, Nate Oates came out and, and said, hey, hey, this is, this is a pretty tough, tough way to go for uh, the number one overall seed. I don't know if he, that was tongue in cheek or, or what. I actually think he was serious, but uh, when, in your analysis, what, what game, if you're an Alabama fan and you're looking a little bit down the road, what worries you? Look, I think it's a fair, uh, it's a, it's a fair bracket. And I, you never know ahead of time what that region's going to look like. Um, you know, I talk about following Maryland basketball as a kid and I used to watch every game and, um, and watch so much basketball. And when they won the national championship, I didn't miss a game. They had to go through teams like Kentucky and Kansas and, you know, and, and, and those type and Indiana to win it. You know, you're going to have to play the best of the best. The thing that makes me comfortable about Alabama is the way that they played on the offensive glass and the defensive glass in the SEC tournament, because that's how those games are won. You know, you don't always have your best shooting game, but you go in there and just pinch the glass and get the rebounds. And, um, and they were ferocious. I thought they were amazing the way that they, you know, just basically dominated the glass. So um, when I look at this region, I think it's, it's, it's tough, but I think all of them are tough. I haven't looked at any of them and I'm working on my third bracket. I haven't seen anywhere. I'm like, Hey, you know what? Uh, this is easy. You know, I, I, I was surprised that Auburn was in Birmingham. I like it though. It's fine with me, but I was just surprised by that, uh, which makes, you know, Houston's, path a little bit tougher if, if uh, you know, obviously if Auburn wins, it's going to be like a home game for them, I would think, but, you know, all in all, I, I don't, I don't, I think if you're NATO's, you got to say that, but I, I don't look at that region and think it's any tougher than any of the other regions. If I could, if I could just follow up really quick, um, I've, been, I've watched a lot of Maryland this year, and Maryland is a good team. I think they're a dangerous team. You know, they, they lost to Tennessee by three, uh, up in New York at the Barclays Center in December. Uh, they, uh, they, 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 they throttled Ohio State. Uh, they've, um, they played Purdue right down to the buzzer, losing 58-55 in late January. This is a good basketball team. And, and just your thoughts on if it is Alabama-Maryland in the second round. You know, the the funny thing is I grew up a Maryland fan, and then I went to Alabama. So I'm an Alabama fan now, and people always ask me who I pull for if these teams play, and, and the answer is Alabama. I actually, I filled in for Chris Stewart on the Crimson Tide Sports Network in Puerto Rico one year. And it, the, the first ever men's basketball game I broadcast was Maryland against Alabama and Alabama won and I was happy, you know, so if they weren't in the same region, <clears throat> you know, they were my other team. Maryland's good, but Maryland's not as good as Alabama. Look, Brandon Miller is the difference maker, uh, for this team. And, uh, Alabama has been so good except the game against, uh, Oklahoma, which really scares me to be honest with you. That's the, that's the thing that I, I keep kind of thinking about it in the back of my head, but Maryland's been great at home and then they've been okay on the road, sometimes not so good on the road. 
And so I, I think Alabama is going to be able to handle them. And I, I'm not even saying that I got Maryland winning in all my brackets against West Virginia, but that game is a flip of a coin. You know, the, that West Virginia team's really good too. They beat Auburn. Um, they've got Bob Huggins as their head coach. You know, a couple of years ago, they played down in this uh, uh, arena against Birmingham. So I mean, like they're, or against UAB, they're, they're, they're a team that you really have to worry about too. But both of these teams, are middle of the pack teams in their league? I know Maryland fans would be like, "No, we're not. We're we're second place." Yeah, you and about ten other teams were tied for second. So, you know, however you want to look at that, right? Uh, Alabama clearly the best team in the SEC, and they have, I think, the clear overall best player. So, you know, is it a tough game? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty tough. But you look at all the other teams that the number one seeds could play, and it. I mean, I think it's just about the same they're all good Mick besides Brandon Miller who do you see as being Alabama's most impactful player in this tournament I think it's JQ um, when he's scoring and he's not turning the ball over he is a difference maker um, you know I, I think like the sixth man to me is like doing middle innings of play by play in baseball you know, like when I used to work with Chris Stewart and I'd come on in baseball and do like the, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth. I, I always like thought about that as like you're in you're um, in a wrestling match and a tag match and you tag in and you come in and you got all this energy and you're kind of like reestablishing uh, the match, you know. And I feel like those two things are kind of parallel. You know, I think when Quinterly comes off the bench, it's like that jolt of electricity that he brings into the game. Um, his ability to score. He's also Alabama's veteran player. Uh, you know, Alabama has more contributions from underclassmen than any of the other teams that I think they're going to play. Uh, when it, when you talk about the production that they get from the guys that aren't, uh, you know, juniors or seniors or haven't been around for a while. So, you know, with that said, I, I think it's JQ. Obviously, you, you, Betty Ako's big too because you get into these games – you're in these arenas, and it's it, sometimes it's hard to shoot. You know, you're you're playing in a lot of gyms, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get into these arenas where the ceiling's higher. And I think that the perception on the shots changes, and guys have trouble scoring. You know, maybe it's just a different environment. Nobody's at home, and so the inside play is huge. You know, so your ability to rebound and 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 block shots or redirection uh, guys that are trying to score is huge. So even if you don't have a guy that's scoring a ton of points, he can be very influential, and I think that's what makes Betty Ako so important. Let me just uh, follow up on that because if he if you have consistent rim protectors in tournament play, it is huge because you're right. The background is going to be different everywhere you go every other week. I mean, every other game. And I, that's huge. And Alabama has been known to go to Oklahoma and and throw up a bunch of bricks. But if you get consistent play in the paint, I know guards will win you the tournament. But I think Betty Ako, particularly, Mick, he was just he was incredible against Texas A&M. And I, I, if they can get a performance like that in six straight games... I'm like a lot of other people. I think Alabama's walking out with a title. Yeah, I hope, look, I would love to see that. I, I, it's so hard to win in these tournaments because you have to bring your best night in and night out. 
And, you know, part of this is officiating. You know, if you get officials that are, you know, calling every, every single contact a foul, you know, it's hard to play defense that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alabama's going in there with a ton of depth, the best player in the country. I think one of the best coaches in the country. They, you know, they get the pretty much a home game, which they've already played in that arena in Birmingham. But remember, they lost there to Gonzaga, but still the experience of being there, something that we've seen Nick Saban do a lot over the years with his football teams, you know, where, hey, the championship game, by the way, is going to be in this building, so we'll play our first game of the season there, you know, whether it be in Dallas or whether it be in Atlanta or wherever else, you know, um, and I think that helps. Just just having gone through the experience and, and something else, too, when it comes to uh, championships, Theo Epstein said after the 2015 Cubs team, got into the playoffs and made a little bit of a run, he was like, you know, playoff experience is priceless. Just because you go through the the process and see how it's all done, uh, the best part about where Alabama is right now as a program, and not all the guys are going to have that. I mean, obviously, Brandon Miller is a freshman, but these guys have had the experience of being in the NCAA tournament. They've been there the last two years, now going on three years, so they've been there. They know what to expect. And then the way that they've played in the SEC tournament two out of the last three years is only going to help them as well. Alabama football is coming up. Spring practice right around the corner. Mick will hang on with us for just a minute. We'll get back and talk about that on Big Noon Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned Cigar and Spirits Destination. Nate's in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part, it's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. is our guest. Mick, I have a question for you about Alabama football and spring. But first, I want you to tell everybody how they can keep up with you. Yeah, look, uh, at Broadcaster Mick on Twitter. Uh, also, uh, BamaInsider.com and uh, the Bama Insider YouTube channel. So go to YouTube, uh, Bama Insider, Monday Night Quarterback. I do that show. I get with Andrew Bone. 
uh, middle of the week, normally Tuesday, but sometimes Wednesday to talk recruiting. And then with uh, football coming up, we're going to have all kinds of shows uh, on the uh, channel covering practice. And then uh, game days, you know, we always have stuff uh, before and after the game. A lot of people want to talk about the quarterback situation. I'm to the point now where we're just going to have to see how it works out in the spring. So I want to go to another area. Uh, what's a running back room going to look like at Alabama in the spring? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be really talented, guys. Yeah. I'm pretty comfortable with it. Uh, Chase McClellan, I mean, he's a guy who has showed us that when he's healthy, he's great. Roydell Williams is uh, someone that was reliable for Alabama, blocks well, Jam Miller. Maybe we'll see a lot of him this year. Uh, Alabama's always really deep when it comes to running back, but I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that the, the, the real question is offensive line. Are they going to be out there dominating, which I think is going to happen. I think there's going to be a big jump with the offensive line, the style of football that they play. And uh, the running backs will just follow suit. You know, the, the the offensive line. We all know that you win you win games in the trench. You know, on both sides of the ball, uh, the core is 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 there. Um, you know, we look at the guys that tote the football, but Alabama's had a ton of guys that tote the football. It, they, it's the offensive line that opens those holes up. So, um, I'm curious to see the style of football that they play, but I, I'm I'm positive that as long as those guys stay healthy, Alabama's going to have some really good backs. Another position a lot of people are interested about is a receiver position. Uh, they felt, you know, last season it just didn't kind of live up to. Um, you know, the expectations of the standard that we've gotten so fortunate of seeing in the, you know, past several years with guys like Calvin Ridley, you know, first of all, it started, you know, Julio Jones, but Jerry Judy, you know, Jalen Waddle, you know, we've been pretty spoiled of that position. Who do you see stepping up in this upcoming season at the receiver position and being that number one target? Yeah, look, and I think this is the great question too, because you're right. I mean, you can go down the line on uh, wide receivers since Nick Saban got there, and it, and it did start with Julio, and then and then Calvin Ridley, and then you know the the, the four guys after that, Amari Cooper. Don't forget about him. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's like the last couple of years, you know, we've been disappointing. And last year, we kind of expected that it would be Jermaine Burton uh, who was going to step up, and and honestly. You know, and I was pretty tough on him. Towards the end of the year, he really did step up. You know, he became someone that you could count on for, for big catches. Um, he wasn't one of those guys that I looked at and said, okay, I mean, I, I wouldn't put him on the same level as Julio or, or Amari Cooper or Calvin Ridley or Schnitty or any of those guys. But you know what? He was, he'd find a way to get open and make a couple catches. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks was another guy who, you know, it, it seemed to make some plays when Alabama needed him to. You know, so I mean, I'm guessing you go with experience there and then, and then kind of see what happens in spring practice and, and who starts to step up. Uh, I'm definitely curious to see where the connection is and who the quarterback is. I mean, that's the other part of it too. You know, how many guys play better with a certain quarterback? You know, the, just the style, you know, like think about the offense when Hertz was quarterback and then when Tua came in. All of a sudden, you know, everyone became a threat with Tua. Uh, you know, when Jalen Hurts was quarterback at Alabama, you know what? It, it, it just didn't feel the same way, you know, and, and maybe, and then look who's the star in the NFL and look who's not, you know, so it, it really just depends on that chemistry. Uh, 
you know, you guys said it too. I'm I'm ready to see who's going to take that job. I think it's going to be Ty Simpson, but I'm not counting uh, Jalen Milrow out. And then of those guys, who, is there going to be a couple dudes that just click with those, you know, with certain quarterbacks? Uh, Mick, I want to go back to Alabama basketball and the practices are open today to the public, uh, down at, uh, the BJC or at Legacy Arena and which I think is a really cool thing. But of course, all the reporters are focused on Brandon Miller and, you know, people are making a big deal. Just a couple minutes ago, Brandon Miller was uh, walking into the arena uh and he had armed security with him uh so that's a story for whatever reason uh and then also the shirts that uh the the, the very crude inappropriate uh shirts that were worn uh in the in the uh, uh semifinals by by a couple of uh, just complete losers who claim to be Alabama fans uh, is this something that's going to trail Alabama all the way through this? Yeah, look, I, I had a debate uh, off, not on air. I mean, just with a friend of mine that's a national media member um, for, I don't know, an hour. Us going back and forth over Brandon Miller and, you know, and their perception of what happened. And I guess our perception about what happened and the situation probably differs a lot because, you know, we cover the team and, 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 you know, they don't really have as many of the facts that we have, per se, you know. And I guess that's kind of how you make decisions, you know. But the, the and, national... And, 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 you know, Mick, like, I normally would disagree with that statement. But in this instance, I think you are spot on, 100% correct. Yeah, man. I mean, look, I'm friends with some of the same people you are, you know. And, and they cover other sports at a major level for a living. And we cover Alabama. And... You know, the thing that I try to say is that, is that, look, I like Alabama a lot. I love them. I mean, I went to school there. But I'm also, you know, objective. And if I thought that the situation was different, I would say that. Um, sometimes me being honest doesn't work out for me personally because, you know, people don't like that all the time, you know. If, if, but at the same time, you know, I'm a person, you know, just like I told this guy, you know, that if, that if I, on the other side of that, I'm not trying to protect them. I just, there's a videotape out, you know, there's, there's a lot of facts in this and you have to give the young man the benefit of the doubt. That's the way that our system set up, you know, but they're not going to do that. You know, they want to make this and, and as deep as Alabama goes in this tournament, that, that smoke's going to just get thicker and thicker because that's, that's what these guys, they really believe that Brandon Miller shouldn't be playing. And, uh, and for some of these guys, it's almost a crusade against him personally um you know and to me if i thought that he was if i thought he had any knowledge about what was going on beforehand uh i probably wouldn't feel so strongly towards him but i i take him for his word i and i i just think that he was a guy that got caught up in something that he didn't realize what was going on and um and i hope i'm right may i just throw this out there I find it very difficult to believe that an Alabama fan would wear that shirt. Oh, I, I agree, Matt. You know? I'm just saying, like, he, uh, uh, John Talty, who we, who we, we love, he's, uh, sports editor at AL.com. He approached those two, uh, gentlemen 
wearing the shirts and they said they're Alabama fans. But then, you know, of course, they wouldn't give their names. They didn't have the stones to actually put their name behind it. And they, they fled like, you know, uh, rats off the, sh- off a sinking ship. Um, so that's how I feel about it. But, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think for a, a, a New York second that they were Alabama fans. Even for somebody that hates the University of Alabama, that's way over the line. I mean, it just, if, I, I imagine, and unfortunately there was an article AL.com last night this morning, uh, about, What's happening with the Harris family throughout all this? You know, uh, can can you watch a basketball game if you're that fan? Yeah, look, I don't. You know, hey, listen, go ahead. I, I'll say this too about those shirts. My gut feeling is that they're probably Kentucky fans because <laughs> I did that. I, I I mean, if I had to bet, you know, I I would say they're probably Kentucky fans. Because first off, no Alabama person. I can't imagine an Alabama fan wearing that. You know, like we're just that's just not who we are. <laughs> and then the second thing is, like you said, like there's a the, Kentucky doesn't have a whole lot going on for themselves right now. Um, they all buy up all those tickets to the tournament, and there's I just I, I really it's really hard for me to believe that some Alabama fans got together and were like, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to do this. You know, that that's – and, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but 80% of the tickets are sold to Kentucky fans in the first place. So, you know, maybe my, my – uh, <laughs> the chances of it being Kentucky people probably right there, 20% other teams, right? I don't know, but uh, I can't imagine Alabama fans really doing it. I, I never took it seriously. I'd be afraid to. <laughs> I'd be afraid somebody catch me in the men's room. Uh, nah, it's it. it's think... just a dumb, dumb. But no, it's it's a crass. It's a disgusting thing to do. To be very, very honest with you. All right. Um, again, thank you for your time. Get out to your boat. Go to the floor of Bama and make all of us once again jealous. Thank you, Mick Gillespie. And I guess he's gone. Thank you. <laughs> he couldn't wait to get back on the boat. Yeah, no, he was ready. He was ready to get back on the water. Yeah, no, he was ready to get out of there. For him. I don't blame him. <laughs> not one bit. Uh, no, not where he lives. Now, you, you, did you know this? I don't know if we've discussed it or not. Lars is a mountains guy. Generally, over over, over the beach. beach. Okay. Yeah. See, Lars. At first, it was whale watching. Now this. Like, come on. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? But you know. I actually, and Lars and I have talked about this because it's, man, the beach, Orange Beach in Alabama, just fabulous. But he he was landlocked his entire youth. Right. He grew up in Nebraska. I'm from Carolina, and, you know, oh. you're, you're an Alabama guy, so it's probably different. But I, I will say uh, one of my best friends has a, uh, oh, man, it's like a like a cabin in uh, Vail. Colorado, oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. I, I've never been. He always invites me up there, but I mean, the pictures I see, I'm not going to lie. I mean, this guy goes and like not actually bathes in this creek, but there's like a creek running back there. He like just goes and just hangs out in this creek, and like it just looks like like a painting. I'm like, oh wow, wow. yeah. So I mean, I, if it's that, if you're that type of mountain guy, 
I yeah, don't think I can blame uh, you. I mean, the, the mountains are uh, as beautiful in the summer and spring and fall as, as they are in the winter, you know, when, when you can ski. But um, I, I know this, you know, we don't have an affiliate down in Panama City Beach right now, so I can tell this Not story. Now. But the first <laughs> the first time I went down to Panama City Beach, uh, I was living in New York and um, uh, met my brother down there and my mom for uh, Christmas. And after one day, my brother looks at me and said, well, now we know where the garbage man goes for Christmas. Well... You know, if uh, well, Panama City's probably not my destination either. I'm a big Orange Beach, Gulf Shores guy. Pa- Panama is probably it's the younger spot. It's a little, you know, a little wild down there. Well, they tear like, stuff up too. Yeah, you yeah. know, they have to make specific rules for spring break just when those youths get down there. Yeah. But I mean, let's face it. Uh, when Lars was a child, they just uh, packed up the kids in the car and went to a really large mud puddle. They just did. They didn't have anything else. You know, I'm kidding you, man. Did y'all go, what would y'all do? Go to the lakes? I mean, because you go to Minnesota, something like that? Oh, yeah, they got those. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably um, what they do. I, I, no, we went no? to this place called uh, Lake McConaughey, and it's just off of the, the interstate, and it's a, it's a, like a man-made lake that they needed to, uh, <laughs> to have the water to create the concrete for the interstate. <laughs> Wow, that sounds like some Alabama city. Yeah, that sounds like some Alabama-made crap, man. A whole made lake with some asphalt. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Nice. All right. Speaking of asphalt, I'm gonna share a story with y'all. I almost bit it yesterday. Uh Oh. In all seriousness, I'll tell this story because we should all be so thankful. Every single second. You're listening to Big News Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Nature Valley. In Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Lots of sunshine this afternoon. The high today, 63. Clear tonight, not quite as cold as last night, the low 35. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny and mild, the high 71. Friday, cloudy with rain likely much of the day, the high 62. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 57 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big News Sports, Matt, Lars, Christian, Aiden. Appreciate everybody dialing us up. Ryan's coming up in just a few minutes. Ryan, speaking of vacationing, he's down there somewhere along the Gulf 
don't know if he's told anybody exactly where he is, but he's in a gorgeous place. Even Lars would like it. Okay. Yesterday morning, I am getting in my car to drive to Tuscaloosa. And Lars, you know exactly where this is, how you pull out of, of my neighborhood. And then you turn right around by, uh, Royal Automotive, which is on my right. And there's that little curve that takes you towards 65. And I'm sitting there about to get in that curve area and I hear this loud crash and a dump truck full of asphalt has hit a very large, like your truck. Oh, it wow. was silver and it's, it made the truck pirouette. That's hard. That's how hard the impact was. And I'm not really sure what happened, but it, it's hard for a dump truck full of asphalt to stop immediately Mm -hmm. but the thing was right in front of my car and ended up going into a ditch had i just pulled out 15 seconds earlier i might have just been in a big twisted bunch of metal but it made me think man life's fleeting grasp every second Uh, and it happened so fast i didn't have time to get scared i got out of the car and ran down into the ditch to try and get this driver out because half of uh, the passenger side of his cab was in the water Uh, there is a pretty big creek um and then i looked up and the guy in the uh, pickup truck was having to climb through and around all the airbags but I, I think the driver of the dump truck received a little bit of an injury, but nothing life-threatening. But um, just to get on my soapbox for a minute, I mean, you, you pull out anywhere. I mean, Chris, you, we're very blessed people, and you we never are. know when yeah. when your time is up. Yeah. Now, wait a, hey, how about that for inspiration hey, hey, to end the, the show? But sometimes you need that kind of reminder. Yeah. I mean, because sometimes I feel like you're just living and you're, you're not necessarily present. You just are kind of just in the flow of things, which can be okay to an extent. But at the same time, I think some people lose track of just how precious life is. And uh, there's reminders like that, whether it's the crash you yeah. saw or other tragedies here and there that, that just makes you sit back and say, man, or even it doesn't even have to be a tragedy. Even if you're just thinking about, you know, an opportunity that you ha- might have, you might just be in the routine of doing it every day. Uh, might be your profession, might be just being able to raise your kids. And um, sometimes it just hit play on that. It just makes you realize, hey, life is short. Life is special. And you need to grasp every moment. Oh, wow. Matt has a video of that. I could amplify that point. Um, Life is also fragile, incredibly fragile. And, um, you know, there have been, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, several times in my my life where just in in the blink of an eye, everything changes. You know, uh, losing a loved one to a tragic car accident or just, uh, you know, somebody just goes out for a night and then they never return. And, and then the, the ripple effect that, that, that has on, um, on so many others is just, uh, staggering. And, but, you know, I, the other day, like, I, I had to, uh, I, I missed the show because I, I, I gave a, a talk down, downtown at the, at the Harbert Center and, uh, to a group. And it really was about, uh, overcoming obstacles. And, uh, it, it's not 
the fact that you get pushed down in life, and, and this is cliche, but it, but it's how you respond, right? We all have scars. We all have painful moments. But the I think the, the, the content of our character is defined by what you do when you are faced with that. When you're faced with that pain, when you're faced with that struggle, when you're faced with that hurt, is are you going to, you know, succumb to it or are you going to figure out a way to uh, surmount it, overcome it and actually enrich yourself and become a better person because of it? And then I, you know, gave plenty of examples of uh, if people I've interviewed either through books or magazines. We got stories. a scoot, Lars. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, have a great day. Yes. Yeah. Keep fighting. Keep grinding.